Welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Brian Callies is the founder of the Brian Callies Foundation and executive director of Saving Lost Kids. Brian, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Oh, I'm so honored and blessed to be here. This is wonderful. We've known each other for a little while. I know. Now. We've crossed paths in so many different arenas over the years. Cheryl Bone. Yes. Oh, well, Can we I dedicate today's show to Cheryl? I would love that. She's in a great place right now in the presence of Jesus. She's where we'd rather be. Exactly. A choice. What a stormtrooper for the kingdom. Absolutely. I mean, she was relentless. She had such a passion for helping people, and she showed me what real outreach ministry was. That's every time I turned around, she's doing something. Wow. Convoy of Hope. Yes. Uh, you know, she worked in that. She worked for. Um, just just over and over and over again, just amazing ministry woman, uh, just always outreaching, always doing something for the kingdom. She was trying to connect us. you got to meet Brian. And it's not that I didn't want to. It was just timing. Yeah. And we would see each other. Oh, yeah, let's get together. Things happen. Trying to pin either one of us down yeah. at the time. It's probably hard. But I saw a post the other day on Facebook that you made about the ministry Saving Lost Kids and a project that is about to launch. And it's so exciting. Addressing a very critical need in our world today, sadly, right here in our area when it comes to sex trafficking, sex trafficking among children. So we're going to talk about the Ministry of Saving Lost Kids, which is dedicated to saving missing, exploited, and sex trafficked children through awareness, education, prevention, unification, and practical solutions. And you're moving forward with this new project to build a trauma-informed long-term restoration community with on-site services for girls, minors through age 19 who have been exploited through sex trafficking that's exactly right that's exactly right um you know when god gives you a vision on something sometimes it's bigger than you can can grasp but somebody said it to me yesterday and it was kind of amazing they they said this will be the biggest thing to help sex trafficking that we've ever done in the country so thinking about that way is a scary thing to think. That's happening that's right true. here in our community. It is. It's going to happen right here in in Tennessee, um, preferably West Tennessee. So we're still working on the exact location of where the facility is going to be. I've got meetings constantly to figure out we're gonna, where we're going to pin it down. What's a Brian Callie's backstory, where you grew up, family life, when your faith journey in Jesus Christ began? Oh, wonderful. I love this, that we can actually <laughs> talk honestly. Sometimes it's really hard to – I'm a pastor now, so go figure. But it's so hard sometimes to talk honestly with people where your story came from. So I can't take any credit for finding God. I can't give it to a church. I can't give it to a person. Uh, a lot of people have people in churches and stuff in their faith journey and their faith walk. Um, for me, God found me when I was a kid. I don't know why he chose to do that, but I was introduced to him when I was about four or five. If you're familiar with the Holy Spirit and how God is still alive and working and doing things, and the Holy Spirit will do things, right? So he introduced himself to me, and we had discussions uh, I don't share this as much as I probably should, but we would have discussions as he was um, helping me to get a relationship with him, let's say. At the time, I didn't understand it. So four, five, six, sevens, you're not, you're not 
grasping this theory. So somebody mentioned the word imaginary friend. I saw it like on a TV thing or something. I said, like, that's what I've got. I've got an imaginary <laughs> friend. Because we would have like discussions. And later I found out that was I was praying and I was talking with God, but I didn't know that at the time. And so I have to give him every ounce of credit. He found me, came and introduced himself to me, had me talking to him about stuff that I didn't understand why, but it would just be an imaginary friend in my head. You know, I'm I'm just having conversation. We try to complicate sometimes the relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, unless you have faith like these children. Yes. Responding with the faith of a child. That's what he desires. Because there's nothing that we do to earn or deserve no. that wonderful grace. And I've told that story to a few people, and they feel like, well, how come he didn't do that with me? So let me, let me address that, because a lot of people ask me that. I think God's always trying to get that relationship stronger between you and, and, and him, always, with everybody. And what he is, is he's very, very smart, and he's very clever. He knows what works and what's not going to work. Sometimes it's another person that he uses to help you to get that relationship. Sometimes it's a church. Sometimes it's something you read in the Bible. Sometimes it's something he puts in your heart. And his timing is impeccably perfect, and he's doing it very strategically to try to he knows when those times are and how to pull you in so in my case all i can say is i must have needed it were your parents believers oh man i got the best parents i love especially i I have a two-parent home and and you know my parents have always been very supportive of everything we've ever done and i mean it was it was beautiful so brian isn't that the picture of what we look at the faith not just the faith of our parents you have to possess it yourself it has to possess you you know a relationship with jesus christ say this when i first was in this journey in this faith journey um, god put it in my head to go you know read the bible that was the moving toward you to understand what jesus christ was desiring to do in your life yeah i just had to start reading the bible i think i might have heard a verse or something i said that's really interesting i want to read this and and here's a kid you know wanting to read read the bible and of course what we have we have the family bible thing you know with all the names (laughs) in the front and here's this little kid trying to read as my life kind of matured and i kept going um i read these awesome things you are a trophy of god's grace we all are as a child of god and each have their own unique story of how he's making us into the image yes. of christ for his glory ultimately uh, alinda your wife mm-hmm. when did you meet her how did you meet her how long have you guys been married okay so it was it was way it was uh later in my life um I, uh, I've always been busy, and God's always had me on some journey and something. And um, it turns out right next door to this location is a building called Mecca or a location called Mecca, Memphis Eye and Cataract Associates. And so I worked there as a R&D engineer, research and development engineer, and built um, – several of the first lasers that do laser eye surgery and so that's the kind of stuff we got to do it's really fun we get to play with big toys right and uh so i worked there and what we did is we took an operating room and turned it into a lab so i worked upstairs in my lab and that's kind of what my world was she came on a few years later and she worked downstairs but she also worked with laser eye surgery she was more of the the PR person and the people, the you know, the one that talked to people when they called in about LASIK eye surgery and things like that. So our paths were destined to cross then. And uh, one thing led to another. You know, she was in a relationship at the time, but we ended up becoming friends first. I always recommend that. If, yes. if God can orchestrate that, that is the coolest thing, is to become friends first. 
Um, and then after the friendship and something happened uh, with her other um, relationship, well, the door was kind of open and she was nervous and I was nervous, but we decided to just casually start talking to each other and, and we had a lot of little things in common and one thing led to another and you know I guess it was several years later but uh, eventually we ended up um, you know really getting close great love story and how long have you been married uh, 17 years oh okay. that's a scary yeah, thought. you better remember that 17 years now <laughs> wow 2019 Brian news article stated that human trafficking is the second highest rising crime in Tennessee human trafficking touches just about every county in Tennessee and the average age victims when they begin is 13 years old is this a big reason for your desire to see this long-term restoration community on-site service for girls to, be- to become a reality so let me tell you how it works in my faith journey everybody's got their own um, I'm a soldier let's say god gives me an instruction to do and then it's my job to just do it that's the way i feel so god i let god usually try to lead me on things and one thing i didn't do about four years ago i've never i've preached this i've taught this i've shared this with youth i've always worked with youth i love you working with youth i'm boy scout and eagle scout all that stuff and troop leaders um but uh i've never done one thing so um, God showed me this, and it was a message to give to another pastor at the time, and this is what he told me. He said, Brian, there's two different ways to follow me, and, I, and now I'm going to tell you how this works in my conversations with God, right? So um, you mean right or wrong? He said, no, you've got two different ways to follow me. Okay, you're going to have to explain that because I don't get it. I have to say that a lot, by the way. Um, And he says, well, you can do what most people do, most pastors do, that kind of stuff. They come up with really good ideas. They have great motive. They've got great intent. And what they are basically doing, like they, they're trying to get my endorsement behind this idea. So they, they might have a, an inspiration from God on this or something in the Bible. But when I said, okay, well, that doesn't sound too bad. That seems like a smart way to go. He goes, yeah. Or there's another alternative. See, you can just follow my plan. But here's the thing with my plan. If I give you my plan, most of the time, you'll think you can come up with something better. Most of the time, you won't agree with it. And I said, oh, that's, that's harder. Okay, let me ask you this. How do you know which plan you're on? And he goes, that's a very good question. It's all about how you pray about it. I said, okay, well, you have to explain that one because I don't get it. And what he told me is, well, if you're praying that the plan works out, that the plan succeeds, it's most likely not my plan in the, in the sense that it's mostly something you came up with and you're still asking for my endorsement and support of it. I'm not saying I won't, not saying I didn't help inspire that idea. But if it's a, if it's a bold plan, something I just gave you, you're going to be praying about it different. You're going to be praying that you have the ability, the capability to stay on something, even when you don't see it working, even when you don't feel like this is the best idea. You're going to be praying for, all right, Lord, help. I know you gave me this. I don't get it. Help me to stay on this thing. And that, he said, is most likely going to be my plan. I said, all right. All right, I'm in. I'm going to give you the reins. Give me something I don't know, something I didn't come up with. And so... I took off two weeks where I'm just like, all right, you give me something. And so he gave me um, a couple things. Number one, he wanted me to continue doing ministry, and I said, thank you, because I like that. And, uh, and he goes, then I want you to go save lost kids. And that was his actual thing, his words. I want you to go save lost kids. I said, well, you mean like ministry, right? Like, you know, they're not found Jesus yet, that kind of thing? No, 
missing exploited sex trafficking. And I literally told them, what are you trying to get me into? <laughs> I mean, I, I love kids and I work with kids all the time, but I, I don't know this. I mean, isn't this a law enforcement thing? And, and so this was four, a little over four years ago. And so I went to every law enforcement thing I could think of to try to get involved in this. And from start to finish, every little group, every big group, they all told me the same thing. We don't really do that. Like that's, we, we have little aspects of that we'll touch, but you can't devote yourself to just doing that. Um, we don't have the resources, the manpower, the jurisdiction, the something. You, you can't just sign up to go work on that project. So this is starting to sound like a God-sized project now. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is getting, this is getting big. And, and the more I get into it, the more I realize how much the problem was. And we got into it and into it and said, wow, this is one of the biggest problems on the planet. But nobody talks about it. It's all under the rug. And it's all – we ha- uh, like everybody that I talked to about this, I thought this was handled. I really did. I thought there were things in place to take care of this problem. And once we got into it and found out how big of a problem this is and how it affects so many children, then we're like, okay, well, now we got, well, now we got to do something. And that's what God was doing is leading me on another journey to get me on board to understand, to see. And um, so then we started, all right, well, if, we're gonna, if we can't find something connect to that's great, well, then let's create something that's great. And so we said, all right, well, we'll start a, the nonprofits up. And, uh, and so God opened up that door with a guy that I didn't even know existed. And it was an easy thing. And it was, um, uh, you know, we started up the Brian Callies Foundation. And its job is, um, its mission, let's say, is saving lost kids. So we started with that, started going out and doing public events. I found out it's better to go to where people are, not to bring them to us. Because the only people that will come to us for help are ones that already knew they were in trouble. And so it it would limit it. Like we'd set up some booze and stuff like that and hand out literature. But, you know, what do you what do you see? Like a tenth, if not even close to that, usually of the people that really needed the help so we said all right let's change the whole model and we'll go out to the public and so every public event every fair festival schools churches and we'll go out to where there's thousands and we're going to offer them something to entice them to come over and think about the child's safety for a minute because almost every parent that i've ever spoken to has never really thought this was a problem they didn't get it and so it turns out that of all the kids that say go missing all, almost all of this is avoidable Yes, if the child just made a safer choice. So we ended up on our prevention side. Brian Cowley's foundation is the parent 501c3 of the organization, but nobody can spell that if I ask you to go to the website, right? So uh, we got to be known under our other name, our um, mission statement of saving kids. So we got to be known as the saving kids people. And so th- we said, all right, let's go ahead and, and put that out then as a nonprofit's uh, uh, face side is saving lost kids. Easier to see. Brian, our nation is divided, as you well know, cries over racism, justice, equality. Human trafficking is a form of modern slavery. The U.S. Department of Justice reports that 62 percent or more than half of the confirmed sex trafficking victims are African-American. Where's the outrage? Where's the protest over this injustice? 
Oh, I agree with you totally. It's one of the biggest things we worked on in the first part is is that awareness thing because nobody knows about this, and you can't be outraged when you don't know, right? So I, what we're seeing today, I think, is little things come to light in the news, and now everybody goes, "Wow, I didn't know that." Now let's protest and let's let's get behind this. So I really wish that people would understand the the, the problem of sex trafficking like they do that because uh, you know not to not to to minimize what we're fighting right now with police officer uh, involved, you know, the, the shooting, no matter what side of that argument you're wanting to think about, that's, um, we're talking about at most, what, 100? Maybe. Maybe, if we're going to say that, that there's 100 cases that we're going to actually talk about. Okay, I can tell you about 100 cases just in Shelby County of sex trafficking. I mean, in the nation, I mean, this is, this is okay, nationally, it's the fastest growing crime in America, nationally. Now, the report in Tennessee, it's the second fastest growing crime, and I don't know if I see where their statistics of all this are really coming from, but nationally, it is the fastest growing crime in America, and it's due to out, outweigh or outdo the two top number one crimes in America, which is guns and drugs. It's due to outperform them as far as the heinous crimes in America that can happen. So it is such a problem that nobody speaks about. We try to put it in the backs of law enforcement, but that's not where the problem really is. Law enforcement's job, remember, is to arrest a bad guy. We haven't addressed the problem, which is why we're doing so much prevention work, that it starts not with just the bad guy. He's not the only one that's in this picture. Most of all this is avoidable, by the way, 90%. If the child would make a safe choice, recognize a safe choice, make that safe choice. If the parent knew about where the dangers are and knew these red flags, yeah. it could we could avoid it. But instead of that, we end up waiting and do that recovery piece and try to rescue the girls. And by that point, it's kind of like waiting till after you get cancer to worry about cancer. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. You don't want to wait till then. So now you've got to fight and work, and these girls now have been totally abused in such a way that their whole future is impacted. Yeah, and they need a safe place for healing, for recovery. And that's why you are looking for a location that's still being considered right now. Plans are for a 75 to 100-acre 18-building facility with all services on the site. Ten homes will be open in the first phase and 20 homes in the second phase. Each home supports five girls who will have their own bedroom and bathroom and a full-time house mother. Yes. In Tennessee, there's not much, not much at all, that can really take a child that has gone through this trauma and help them to get to a place in their life where they're not going to remain a victim the rest of their lives and to help them to realize that they're worth something. Help them to realize that men aren't supposed to be like this. If they don't have help like that, they right. will stay in this place. Yes, it's a and trap. Most likely, the odds are they're going to be dead within seven years. That's pretty much the odds. Brian, is this funded through private donations? Are there government funds, combination of funds to build this? Are the funds there now to start the building project? What we ended up coming up with is we found the best place in the country. It's in another state that is currently the most amazing place for sex traffic girls, right? But they're kind of private in the sense that, and, and they uh, only service a small region of, of their territory that they can service because 
they can't service the entire country, right? And so, and, and are we talking about a facility that would be faith based? That would be yes, sir. based mm-hmm. on healing, transforming through the power of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. So the location I found to help um, a child and, and connect the dots was in this other state. The problem is that's really really hard string to pull, and to move a girl from one state to another is even harder. And uh, I. I we were able to pull that string once, but we can't duplicate that. So when we were asked by FBI, CPS, those kind of things to ask for help us with a solution, our solution was, well, then why don't we build something in Tennessee? I mean, that's where our, that's what we're focused on is, is Tennessee, but we can do it for the Mid-South area and get it more inclusive where everybody gets to be a part of this thing. And so rather than reinventing a wheel, well, let's just take the wheel that's working brilliantly in this other state, and they have six years track record. We can take that model and and mirror that here so we're not inventing something that's completely brand new. We have years' worth of, of research and education on this, and we'll tweak it to fit what we're doing here in Tennessee. So in Tennessee, we finally announced um, last uh, Friday is when we came into the agreement that uh, we will be building the largest restoration care facility for girls only girls who have been recovered they were victims of sex trafficking it's so it's very specific what we're doing it's only for girls right now and it's only for those that have been recovered from sex trafficking so everybody in the project and everybody is very tailored to this specific issue and um, it will be the it is um, going to be the largest in the country Brian, this is so exciting. There's opportunities for all aspects of the community that are watching and listening to our program right now to show support for a project that is going to change lives for the better. People can sign up for monthly donations, provide for one of the construction items to become a connector to build and support the network here. This is a wonderful opportunity for God's people to come together. And then we're modeling this because I met with St. Jude and, and, and Alsac, and St. Jude has just got a brilliant way that they help. They open up the doors to let people be a part of the solution, and that's what we're looking for. Everybody needs to be a part of this. This isn't about us at all. It isn't about the state. This goes beyond all that. So we are asking everybody that if you want to become a monthly partner and monthly donor, it, it doesn't take much. Twenty, you know, nineteen bucks, done. I mean that it makes you a partner with this problem, and we we have to address this problem. It is the biggest swept under the rug issue that we have today that people need to understand how bad this problem is and that we can help these girls we can't we don't have to just let their whole lives be thrown away because something bad happened to them so we want you to connect to us uh, savingloskids.org org savingloskids.org um, the restoration project is what we've nicknamed it so far um, but we reached out trying to get everybody to contribute to the name so we're just wanting everybody to be a part of this. So if you want to be part of the build, it's going to be a 100-acre campus. It's going to have roughly 20 buildings, 18 to 20 buildings on the first phase. It'll be opened up for 50 girls. Each house, there'll be 10 houses. Each house is going to have five girls in it. So we need houses built, right? So if you're a construction guy and you want to donate a roof, you want to donate plumbing, you want to donate a, uh, I'll help stick frame it, I'll help with the concrete, you know, do one thing. We don't have to do the whole thing. Just volunteer, donate one thing. If everybody did just one little step, one thing, bring all that together, man, we've got something so beautiful that we couldn't ought to do on our own. So it's not about grants, even though we're going to ask for grants, right? And we're already applying for those. It's not about all that. 
It's about you doing one thing. Maybe you're a connector. Maybe that's your part. So I don't know the governor personally, but we're looking for his endorsement here in the next couple of weeks. I don't know him personally, but if somebody out there knows, say, the governor or something like that, uh, whoever you might know, you might know a senator, do that connection piece. You stay connected to those five people, and you share the project with them, get them connected to the project, and you stay in that role. You're a connector for us. And that way, everybody gets to be a part of this huge, awesome movement. And it's more like that St. Jude logic where everybody gets to, hey, I, I support, help. I'm a part of this mission. You remember Danny Thomas built St. Jude for just a dollar? Send me a dollar. Send me a dollar. I love that. I need. To, <laughs> we need to do that. All right. I, I challenge everybody on here that's listening or able to, to view this. I challenge you to sign up for $1 a month. Well, let's it's add the infla- easiest thing in the world. Well, let's add inflation to that, okay? Okay. Since St. Jude's been around a while, so inflation. So I would say let's move it up to $20 a month, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, 19 is the pretty number, right? That 19, people say. love it. But, but $19 a month, I'm telling you, that can absolutely radically change these girls' lives. I mean, it's just, if you would see the mothers that come up to us and the, and the kids that come up to us and how broken they are, it'll make you cry. It'll absolutely rip your heart out. Wow. because. It, but it's something we can do something about. Yes. And so we really need your help. So $19 a month. Um, an upfront donation of 100 bucks is not as great as $19 a month. That monthly thing means you're a partner with us, and you become a part of this mission and this project. So the restoration project right now, but it'll have a, probably a prettier, a cooler name. And you can keep up with all the details by following the website, savinglostkids.org, savinglostkids.org. Brian Callies, God bless you, my brother. Bless you, buddy. Thank you so much for having us on. Thank you for what you and your whole team is doing for Christ's kingdom to save lost kids. We're just just following what the commander-in-chief told us to do. (laughs) That's great. Keep us updated. Come back and tell us more as the project gets more into development. Wonderful. And we're excited about it. We'd love to tell you, especially when we get get our location finalized and we've got our first building starting to be built. We'd love to come back on. Hey, we'll have to go do our program from the location. That'd be wonderful. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. Don't forget that web address again, savinglostkids.org. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Today's Mid-South Viewpoint is brought to you by Navaj. Just think about all the nasty stuff we breathe in every day. You know, the dust, allergens, bacteria, pollen, pollution. You know the things in Memphis here. What are we breathing? Well, if you wash your hands and brush your teeth every day, then why aren't you cleaning your nose to clean out all that junk that's trapped up in there? Let me tell you about this product. If you suffer from allergies, sinus infections, or are worried about what you're breathing in, it's called Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. What's Navage? Well, it's the world's only nose cleaner with powered suction. People that have suffered from lifelong allergies call Navage a complete game changer. They are breathing more clearly, sleeping better, snoring less, and feeling a whole lot better. In fact, 90% of people who use Navage report feeling healthier. Now with cold and flu season just around the corner, why not make Navage part of your daily health routine? Experience what it's like to truly breathe better, sleep deeper, and feel healthier. Go ahead and visit Navage.com. That's Navage.com. Or you can find Navage at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Target. Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E.